Hello everyone, this is Molly Rowan Leach and I am the founder and host of Restorative Justice on the Rise, which is a global advocacy platform, podcast, and educational opportunities abundant, uh, including teleseminars, panels, and webinars over the past decade and beyond. We're pleased today to be speaking with Lucy Jaffe, who was with us at the European Forum for Restorative Justice Symposium. She is a board member as well as the director of an extraordinary program based out of the UK, whyme.org. That's y-me.org. Lucy is the director of whyme, and in this conversation we cover a lot of ground around um, international and national platforms to promote and embed restorative approaches so that the people directly affected are supported to create thriving and positive communities. Hope you enjoy this podcast. If you want more information about RJ on the Rise, go to restorativejusticeontherise.org. And again, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, to name a few. Thank you, everyone. Hello everyone and welcome. This is Molly Rowan Leach. I am the host and founder of Restorative Justice on the Rise and it is truly an honor and a very special pleasure today to be sitting here in Pamplona, Spain as we've just concluded the European Forum for Restorative Justice Symposium which was two and a half days and included an extraordinary lineup of uh, keynotes, panelists, breakout uh, presentations, and a lot of really wonderful connection time with an international community of cross-professional restorative justice advocates, academics, practitioners, uh, restorative leadership, and more, and concluded today with the president of Navarra, Spain. So we're sitting here in an outdoor a location today with one of the European uh, Forum for Restorative Justice's board members, Lucy Jaffe, and she is the director of the restorative justice organization Why Me, based in the UK. She contributes regularly to national and international platforms to promote and embed restorative approaches so that the people directly affected are supported to create thriving and positive communities. And it's just truly an honor and pleasure to get to know you. And would, I know our listeners would love to hear um, as we begin, what's your story? What, what brought you into this field um, to do such extraordinary work, Lucy? Well, hello, Molly. It's lovely to be here with you in Pamplona, Spain, a very beautiful place um, and I'm honoured to have this podcast with you. So what brought me into the work was when I was a small girl I went on uh, children's camps and we sat in circle to make decisions um, and what I learned there was that I had an equal voice to everyone else there. Uh, the leaders sat next to me and I had a turn speaking, as did they. But also we didn't start the circle until everybody was included. So if there was a child who was halfway up a tree, like just saying, I'm not gonna come down, we waited until they were part of that circle. 
So right from an early age, you know, I've, I've been educated and learnt those principles of living in nature and also living in community. Um, so yeah, and then I, I had quite a uh, portfolio career. So I worked in social justice with women whose children were abducted overseas by their parents, by their, uh, sorry, women whose children were abducted overseas by the other parents, so international tug of love. So that got me interested in like the plight of victims, people who are really sidelined by the justice system. And that includes the people left behind and the people taken. But then I, I had a 15 year corporate break because I have a, a master's in artificial intelligence. So I went off and did software for 15 years. And then I was just like, this world is so full of like difficulties, hostilities, war, people, you know, injustices that I felt the real pull, my heart took me back into social justice. So I joined Why Me, this non-governmental organization in the United Kingdom 12 years ago. Mm. And would you be willing to share with us, what, what's the core purpose and mission of Why Me? Um, what, what, what are you looking to um, offer um, and transform perhaps? So why me was, is the first question someone harmed by crime often asks uh, and also the person who commits it quite often. Why me? Why am I in prison? You know, why have I been arrested? It was set up by a, a, man, a, vic, a man who came home and found someone in his house, burgling his house. They got into a fight. There was blood. The man went out into the street and was arrested. And the next time that the victim of crime, Will Riley, met him was in a prison, in a restorative meeting, and it totally transformed his life. So although he wished it had never happened, he's glad that he'd gone through restorative justice because it was so transformative. So he set up Why Me for victims of crime so that to make sure that everyone who suffers from crime or is involved with crime can have access to restorative justice. So you, if you might, don't mind, uh, you said that it was very transformative for the, uh, this man um, who was the original founder of Why Me. Um, can you share what that means? What, what, what have you seen and maybe what did you perceive from what he shared as the core aspects of why his process was so transformative in a specific way if possible? Absolutely. Um, and then I'll talk about the man who burgled him as well. Thank so, you. Right, because we're, we're wanting to, uh, in this field, honor and acknowledge the humanity in each of our stakeholders, so to speak, in yeah. each person involved in um, a situation, but also really with uh, what we call vic the victim-centered mentality. Um, an approach being to be a, a incredibly sensitive and with a listening and invitational approach to the person who has received. Is that correct? And please correct me if there's anything you want to add there. Yes, absolutely, Molly. Um, the, so what Will Riley got is the man who set up Why Me. He got a chance to tell his story and be heard. He got a chance to ask Peter Wolf, who was the man who burgled him, what, what did you think you were doing? Why did you come in my house? 
to answer questions. And he got answers because Peter said it, it was just the first house I could get into. So it was a feeling of the world that he hadn't been targeted, mm. a relief. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He also got a chance to say, and I, I, this is his story, so I am only the channel for his story. It's of his course. story. Is that he felt that ashamed that he couldn't protect his family from an incursion and a robbery such as that which had happened. Mm. And somehow that released him from that shame. And it gave him agency. Mm. And the other thing is he got quite angry in that meeting, or he was emotional. Because for Peter, he just always had the man who'd committed the offence. He'd always just seen a victim as a piece of paper on a, on a probation mm. report. And so when he said, you know, Peter said, oh, when we met. And so the victim said, you will. We didn't meet in a, like a cocktail party. <laughs> you broke into my house. And I think that was the light, that moment of humanity, of like, of the victim, instead of standing on ceremony and all that, that politeness or awkwardness, he just said directly, you know, I met you in my house and I didn't choose you to be there. Right. And I, that moment, as Peter recounts it, and there's a really fantastic 10-minute film called The Wolf Within. The Wolf Within, double O-L-F, W-O-O-L-F which tells their story. It's really beautiful. Wow. And is that available online? It's available uh, online. You can go on the Wyme website. So, okay, uh, great. And what is that? Can you just tell it's us? It's a 10 minute uh, film where they reconstruct what happened. So that story I've just okay. told. And then you meet the two men. And the Wyme website address yeah, so for listeners. WHY-ME.org. So that's why-me.org. And you go up there and you can find all kinds of stories and videos. Sorry. Muchas gracias. Okay, we are out here uh, in Pamplona, Spain, underneath a beautiful canopy of trees today. We've just concluded the closing ceremony session for the European Forum for Restorative Justice and I'm Molly Rowan Leach with Restorative Justice on the Rise and it's my pleasure to be talking today with Lucy Jaffe who is the director uh, of the restorative justice organization Why Me. Um, please check out their website and as she just mentioned there's extraordinary resources and including the film the wolf within. So, Lucy, shall we drop back in? Yes, let's do let's that. drop back in. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Molly. Um, so, the Will Riley, who was set up by me, um, and our purpose is to make restorative justice available to everyone who is affected by crime and conflict. It's quite a hard task. <laughs> so, we are an advocacy, communications, and delivery organisation. We're national in the UK, but with global reach. And we tell stories so that we move the hearts of politicians and the minds. And we also deliver, so we're pioneers in restorative delivery with more marginalized communities uh, who are more likely to be victimized. So we do work in with LGBTQ plus community, people who speak English as an additional language, um, people who suffer from hate crime, saying, how does this work here? How can we make it work? 
and what are the questions we should be asking? And Lucy, that's amazing. Um, I love I love how you are inclusive on all fronts, including with language and with um, the bringing to the visible, the invisible in many cases that uh, we even touched on in this conference around the importance of bringing to the surface um, things that uh, disinclude, um, that may even prevent our authors, receivers, victims, offenders from feeling as if they can be open and transparent and build trust with us in this process. Um, some of those things might be, and I'd love to hear from you, but uh, just for the example for our listeners, um, uh, an author offender who comes in and who has been mishandled by police, for example, because of their identity or race. That's just one example of many. But in restorative justice practices, oftentimes uh, just simply in the way we go about our process uh, of pre-work and pre-conferencing, sometimes we miss those very important pieces just by the fact that we don't have the questions or the prompts or the authenticity to, uh, or courage really to, to go there. Yeah. And I think we have that ability without any question. I know we do. So on that note, perhaps, what, what are your thoughts about how we can create a container for those things to occur um, when we're having those initial experiences, first meetings with, with people who are either harmed or the person who harmed? Yeah, so my, uh, my practice and understanding about the stories of justice really shifted when I uh, attended a training by Dominic Barter uh -huh. and he introduced me to the question is it, uh, what is it that you would you would like to be known um, and it's a much broader question than some of the ones that we have on the back of my business card which is what happened who's been affected and how and in and effect the what, restorative questions so what to can speak we, right yeah so that's I suddenly realized that perhaps we were coming in and imposing a model that wasn't really appropriate. Uh -huh. And I really liked that because his work in the communities in Brazil uh, really inspired me. So to come in and more of an offer and invitation, would you like to speak to me? Would you like to have a conversation? So that's also very strongly something that's used in schools. Would you like to have a conversation with me about what just happened? Mm -hmm. um, and the work we do at YME, so we've been working with uh, migrant communities in the United Kingdom. Um, and instead of going in and talking like, this is restorative justice, this is how it works, and going straight to, okay, how have you been harmed? <laughs> Tell me all about it. It's like, I don't even know you. You've just walked in the space, right. my space, and now you're asking me to divulge a whole set of stuff, like the example you gave of being harmed by the police mm -hmm. and so I at YME you know we now use this much broader way of working to start with communities mm -hmm. and then by asking that question in circle we, we are showing as well as then if we're invited mm -hmm. to tell people about the stories of practice and mm -hmm. the work we do 
Thank you. I and I would like to just share with everyone that when I say uh, when I spoke to that anecdote um, around the police, I know police officers. I I mean in no way to put a negative light on it, but it is a true example um, and a real one. In some circumstances, uh, I speak from a, a position of of facilitating in, mostly in the United States. But I do know that some of the youth that I've worked with would have probably benefited with having a, a feeling and sense that they could uh, make known what happened to, to them before they even met me and our team. Um, that that would have probably re reduced uh, anxiety um, helped them to feel a, a sense of that they're being heard instead of having them as well a sense of, of victimization yeah. in, in a way. Even if they are termed the author offender, um, they, you know, they come in feeling victimized. Yeah, well they often, people often have been victimized because of the structural inequality right. in society and structural violence. Right. And restorative practice and justice has to look at the whole context, and that's the beauty of it, because you can bring community in, but you can see the whole context of the, if you like, the person who's been harmed and the, per and the harmer, you know, of that specific incident. It enables us to acknowledge their context, their history, their identity, um, and to bring community in where that supports that. Uh, and so this morning, I just ran a session on cultural humility, and we went round and we all talked about our identity and how our own lens, the lens we bring to a story of practice, and how we have to be aware of that in order to be able to work with anyone. Um, and so the work we were doing in, uh, on hate crime, uh, we have developed this term multi-partial where you recognize it's not neutral because I will never be neutral. I'm a person and I come with my own lens, but I'm multi-partial. So I will work with people equally. Um, so yeah, that, that was a useful insight to me as well because look, this winter we did work on cultural humility as mm -hmm. my organ, mm -hmm. in my organization, looking at uh, racism, structural racism, and how to be actively anti-racist. Mm. And that as well has informed our work at YME. And anti-racism, as it relates to restorative practices, uh, can translate very clearly into how we frame our languaging, right? And as such, to your point, of multi-partial. Uh, what, other, what other ways of speaking are you finding um, help to relate that presence of uh, equality. You know, we speak a lot about diversity, equity, inclusion, yeah. and words are the gateway, right? But then, mm. so what words and phrases, but even more importantly, what are the things that you feel are, are behind those words? The, the um, energetic, the intuition, like um, was spoken to in the the closing session panel today, uh, the intuitive aspect of this work? That's a big question. It is. Yeah, uh, I might yeah. ask you, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Um, well, I'm a big fan of the fact that there it's much more than words, and then the words are important too. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to answer in a simple way. Okay. <laughs> which is thank you to ask the people who you're engaging with what words they want to use. Perfect. Uh, so, because yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think I come right. in the from the I don't know place when I work with people who are harmed because it's not my harm mm -hmm. and it's not my place. So what is it you want to need to tell me? Okay, don't call me that name, call me this name. Mm -hmm. You know, that's dead naming me. Right, uh, of course. And if we do the conference for an LGBT, you know, for a transgender person, then, you know, for them it's really important that we don't go into the conference or encounter and the other person is dead, dead naming them. Mm -hmm. But that's something mm -hmm. I need to explore. Mm -hmm. I don't know everything. And mm -hmm. I certainly don't know the experience of mm -hmm. that person. So that's my, yeah, that's my response, I suppose, to language. But I think there's something for the community of restorative practitioners throughout the world, but with the, particularly in the like UK and Europe. So today we were at a conference and we look, need to look at expanding diversity of knowledge and experience to bring the knowledge and experience of more diverse identities into the field. So we start to get a richer understanding rather than mm -hmm. imposing a restorative model on others. Absolutely. I, I, feel, uh, I feel that the framework that you mentioned earlier too of language, what would you like to make known? And is that what you meant? And is that what you heard? Those are those are the ways in which Dominic Barter has mentored me, and it sounds like you had your uh, extraordinary experience in Sassari, um, where that that opened up a, a world for you of of inquiry and curiosity. Yeah. So um, that when we're working in um, receiving people, I think, is an indication of invitation, and 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 it's translated through that, the way it's spoken, the the words themselves are an indicator of invitation. Yeah, I, I think that's what I meant when I asked that very big question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I will, well respect because that is a really lovely way of putting it and um, yeah I think just the whole way when we enter a restorative space like how's the room set out yeah you know what right what is this telling me yeah um, does the person ask me about me you know but anyway that yeah I, I and and a lot of that I feel is even before just for the understanding that like if we're talking about um, bringing people together we're not doing that right off the bat like if it's a harm and conflict conflict um, situation you're doing work with the with individuals for quite some time is that correct yeah so why me um, run a very specialist service mm -hmm. and uh, we work with people who can't get restorative justice where they need it and we get off to get people like women, people, women particularly who suffer domestic violence. And one of the, they say people won't let me even have a restore, access to a restorative service. They just say no, that's not right for you. 
So why me run a service where we say, yes, we want that conversation? That does not mean that we will then directly in introduce them to the person who's harmed them. Mm -hmm. There's a whole process and conversation mm -hmm. and preparation. And then we decide, you know, can we access, can we go, will we take this case mm -hmm. to the next step? And uh, Lucy, yeah. how, how did you build a relationship with that system to be able to even have that opportunity to receive a case and consider it? Self-referral. Okay. Oh, perfect. So people so self-referral to in our the UK. website, they okay. find out why me, Yeah. restorative justice, I mean literally Janika, okay. who was stabbed eight times by her partner and with a, pregnant with his second child, survived and she said she woke up in the, in the hospital and she was like, why me? And then I want restorative justice was blocked by the uh, restorative services and the uh, victim liaison officer from the state who just said, no, that's not suitable. And she was like, I've got questions I want to ask them. And she ended up on our doorstep. And I was, I said, come in. You know, that you, always we say, yes, we'll have a conversation mm -hmm. because as restorative practitioners, we know that can also help articulate your story agency and then the practitioner uh, from why me went to find out from the prison if we could visit the offender the man who did it her partner her ex-partner mm -hmm. the father of her children so the court uh, and the court magistrate found him guilty but but on her side of things they 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 allowed her to come and and work with you whereas in the united states that is a very difficult piece right right now is for for um, something of that level of violence to be referred to some to a, an extraordinary organization like yours the the court wouldn't allow that it's not the court's decision in the uk she can come to right us. and i that's the point i want yeah, you okay. to make so in the uk well the <laughs> uk has different ju jurisdictions a bit like the states and the states, yeah, the states and the United States. So, but in England and Wales, they do not have the right to stop somebody coming and asking us for uh, about restorative justice. They might stop the pr the prison and probation service might stop us visiting the person who committed the crime because they might say it's too mm -hmm. risky and mm -hmm. all that. And that indeed is okay. happening at the mm -hmm. moment a lot. So you can work with the victim, and the victim's great. And you can be in contact with the offender and offenders, yeah, I'll do that. And the system says no. Mm -hmm. So we did organize an encounter between her and her husband. She said, she got to say to him, do you see what you've done? And she always very often wears a low cut top to show the stab mark, you know, the scar. Mm -hmm. So she went and she talked to him and said, what did you do? Why did you do that? Got her answers, said, told her story. And when she came out, she said, I've gone from being a victim to being a victor. I've changed. I've gone from being a victim to being a victor because I've had the chance to do what I wanted to do. And then we organized a second meeting for her with him, in fact. Um, but my question to people who work with victims of crime is why are you there? Do you think you're the gatekeepers? You can make that decision. And I think one of the liberating things about restorative justice, which I love, is that the decision or option 
to engage with a restorative service should be the person, the people who are most mm, affected. Mm, mm, and that line, which we saw today at the conference, mm -hmm. in a beautiful piece of art, is that the, someone who commits a crime and the person who suffers from that crime are always connected. Mm. So mm -hmm. I, was a, I was a victim of crime, someone tried to steal my electric bike while I was on it, and then I ended up <laughs> keeping the bike, but Scott, you know, I was injured and they never caught the person. I will always be connected to that mm -hmm. person. I mm -hmm. really want, and when the police came, I was like, I want to meet them when you get them. And they were mm -hmm. like, huh? Who are you? You know, like, <laughs> actually, here's my card. But, um, but I always be connected to that man always and i want it to be one where i feel there's a humanity and i don't feel that now, uh -huh. you know? but i because i used it as that example in, a, yes. in an example with dominic Carter and i we did a well a, a mock process a mock process mm -hmm. and i talked about that i also had a witness of the, the community around me of the other people being mm -hmm. trained mm -hmm. and as we said but it was really helpful for me to recover uh, that's amazing. And I, if I may be so bold, I know we are concluding shortly, but um, there's always so much to cover. But, but let's stop just for a moment. Um, I'd like to dive into the, the mock process for just a moment. Okay. Again, um, around the aspect of integrating constellation therapy, epigenetics, um, constellation work. Uh, is something that links into the epigenetic uh, tra uh, trauma transformation, um, as well as just to the the dialogic field that um, you know I believe is numinous in many ways and hard to really quantify. And yet something happened for you. Is that not true? Yeah. Um, like you just said, in doing that mock process and with such a wonderful facilitator in Dominic and with the, the, all the people yeah. that were there surrounding you, would you be willing to share what, what um, that means to you? Like what transformed for you and how you felt, if you don't mind? Yeah, so my, um, I was at a training with 50 people, Dominic Barter last year, and Dominic Barter was running it and he asked for a volunteer. And I said I would be the person who would talk about the incident where my bike was being stolen. And what was extraordinary was he asked me to identify who, who I wanted to be in the room um, with me. And I suddenly thought, oh yeah, I want that young man. And I want his mum, you know, and I want um, my, I can't remember now, but I could, I sort of had, instantly I was being asked, what did I want? And I knew it. I think the shift. There's someone collecting rubbish. <laughs> um, Life is happening around us, yeah, for sure. Uh, the and then the other part of it for me was the process and being asked to talk about how I felt and but was being witnessed by the other people within the room made me feel very held mm -hmm. and very safe mm -hmm. uh, and somehow that uh, I worked through my story and that I'd been seen, mm. you know, so talk about mm. the invisible, mm -hmm. becoming visible, because I was like, ah, oh, you know, it's just as like a scar and oh, I kept my bike and that's fine. And actually that made me realize, no, I had actually how I'd been harmed and how it had impacted mm -hmm. on me. And then 
to feel held and loved really mm-hmm. by the, the witnesses in that training session. Mm. So yeah, it was really, it was really good. And then someone said to me, "You're very brave," and I thought because uh, I held onto my bike and I screamed, <laughs> and uh, I just came out feeling courageous and mm-hmm. bold. Mm. Yeah, it was really amazing. Mm. Thank you so much for sharing that and for being here today with me and with our listenership, which uh, enjoys a global base of uh, practitioners in the field, peace builders, academics, and so many wonderful people. Thank you to you who are listening. Um, Lucy, is there anything else that you would like to make known before we conclude today? Oh, thank you, Molly. I. I think what I'd like to make known is just to say to everyone out there who's doing restorative work, keep going. We need more restorative work in this world where we won't let hate predominate because we know that people can fulfill their potential and restorative justice is one way of doing that. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so very much.